Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, the football club proud to be part of the 31%. I am Laurie Dunsire, <laughs> joined by Mark Donaldson as usual. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm excited. This is this is uncharted territory for yes. us, and it's only taken until this our eighty-first episode to do what, Mister Dunsire? Well, eighty-first episode, and we are joined by a guest, a a, <gasps> oh. a a star of the of the BBC show, A View from the Terrace, contributor to the Terrace podcast, and writer for the Scotsman. It's Craig Fow. Oh wait, no, sorry, no, sorry. It's <laughs> it's Joel Sked. How are you doing, Joel? <laughs> good, good. I'm, I'm really, I feel really bad for the listeners when you said, or oh, if they've not listened, if they've not read the, uh, the podcast description, when you said joined by a guest, and then they're thinking, oh, maybe a, a former or current Hearts player, and then it's me. Well, to be honest, I mean, if it was a current Hearts player, you would probably certainly win the popularity votes on who, <laughs> yeah, there's who, definitely a few. who they'd want on. How, how are you anyway? How are you coping with, with lockdown and no football and no anything really? So lockdown itself, I've been I've been fine. I've kind of used to working from home a couple of days a week anyway. The work-wise has been, as we'll probably come on to talk about, being an absolute shambles. <laughs> football, football-wise, I've, I've, I've not really missed it too much because... As you alluded to uh, previous podcasts, the final game that you covered, Laurie, was Hearts St Mirren, which is still um, still rankles with me, and I think it will rankle with me for many many years. Uh, I was still so angry. I stayed up to watch that on Alba, and uh, how pitiful the display it was that that is the last game of football I watched. And it could be the game. Um, I mean, it looks likely the game at the moment that will possibly decide Hearts' fate for the season because, of course, if Hearts had won that game, then it wouldn't be Hearts in the current predicament of potentially going down to the Championship, despite having ten games, uh, sorry, eight games or so left. Okay, so this week we are going to talk about um, what the homework was last week, which was your favourite Hearts people. Uh, We've got a topic which Joel has thrown out there, which we're going to get to before the end as well. But I suppose first off, we we do have to talk about the SPFL as well. And um, I spotted uh, Joel, who writes for the Edinburgh Evening News as part of the Scotsman as well. Uh, Let me quickly quote something you put out there today. There has been, uh, there has just been no let up. Statements, counter statements, Q and A's, bullying, allegations, threats, accusations, meetings, discussions, votes, anger, frustration, self interest, Schadenfreude, tribalism, and so much more. This is Scottish football, twenty twenty. Now, did you think when everything went to lockdown and there's no football that you'd have so many column inches you could fill? <laughs> No, <laughs> I didn't think it was just. I didn't think it was going to be as shambolic as it has been. I think Mark alluded to something on a, a two um, two podcasts ago where he talked about that this has given us so much to talk about. What else would we have talked about if this hadn't been the case? What would kind of fill the fill the void of Scottish football action, uh, quote unquote action, in in that space? And in a way, yeah, it's been good. It's it's it's, it's meant that it's not had to get too creative with coming up with content to uh, fill the papers or put online, but 
by God, it is tedious, it is tiresome, and <laughs> I am uh, I'm very much fed up with it all. So, uh, I guess since our last show, and you pointed this out, you pointed this out just before we went on air, because I actually forgot that we did the show last time. It wasn't just the 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 latest vote wasn't the only update really. The latest vote, which was of course for the Rangers Stranraer Hearts resolution uh, for um, an independent inquiry investigation into the spfl but it was also the um basically shooting down of any reconstruction which happened at the end of last week post recording so um (laughs) what are your thoughts first of all on now are you in the boat of what mark and i mentioned this when it first came up and a few people mentioned it um when reconstruction came up and and budge was to lead this task force and people thought about it the feeling was, this isn't going to happen. This is throwing a bone which is which is never going to go anywhere to the likes of Hearts. And it kind of turned out that way. Are you, are you surprised it got shot down so bluntly? I mean, it just seemed ridiculous. Yeah, so I think on Friday, I was surprised by the news that came out on Friday and just the fact that it kind of didn't go to a vote. It was just a few meetings and then that was it scrapped. I'm not surprised it was crap because I think you go back to the SPFL resolution when it first got proposed, a part of the, they kind of just snuck a sentence in and basically said, if the resolution passes, we'll discuss potential league reconstruction. But it was very, uh, it was very much, we might do this, we'll have a wee discussion, but there won't be a lot of thought put into it. So I'm not surprised that it was shot down, but I, I am surprised it happened so quickly. I thought the league reconstruction might have rumbled on for a couple of more weeks, uh, especially more so than the than the SPL, the, the, the vote into the Rangers investigation of the SPFL. Yeah, and on that, I mean, I think we all expect, I mean, we all really knew ahead of the vote that, it wasn't going to get enough to pass. Apart from anything, we knew there wouldn't be, what, it needed nine of 12 premiership clubs, and I think we know for a fact that wasn't going to happen. Um, the lower leagues were maybe a bit more up in the air, but um, I guess uh, the 31% I alluded to. Now, do you think that's the end of this? Um, <laughs> that's Scottish football, so no, absolutely not the <laughs> The legal action Rangers of uh, I think I think the Scotsman reported it today. They are, cons- are considering legal action. Obviously, um, there'll be there'll, there'll still be a lot of rancor between Rangers and the SPFL. Neil Doncaster has kind of held on Olive Branch out to to Ibrox, but I can see that just being um, set alight and burned. The this is something that's because there's no investigation. Like the investigation, whether you whether you thought there was any wrongdoing of the SPFL, I think you just kind of accept that it has to be done just for a kind of clean slate. I think yeah. Livingston came out today with a, a really good statement where they they, they said we weren't uh, we weren't calling for suspension, we weren't calling for termination of people. We just wanted this to independent investigation to go ahead so when it gets to the end of it we can actually move on now like neil got doncaster i'm sure he's seen him uh, when he was talking to a media outlet basically saying it's time to to look forward now the, the kind of what's what's in the past is in the past we should uh, should move forward but it's it's not as easy as that because of the manner in which the whole charade has 
uh, has has developed and just been played out so much in the open with some of the tone of uh, the SPFL, the the, the back and forth of statements. I, I just don't think uh, a line can be put under it. And I think it would be very, very naive if the SPFL think, yes, there's a line under it, we're going to move on now. They will be... They'll still be fought by clubs and suspicion will stay for as long as Doncaster et al. are in position. I think, Laurie, one of the, the, the things regarding the SPFL so far, they've been able to control pretty much everything. Their rules, their regulations their percentage of votes to get things passed. The only thing they wouldn't be in control of would be legal action. So it's Mm -hmm. now up to Rangers, to Hearts, to Partick, to whoever, to Stranraer, not to Brechin, because I don't think they would partake. Anyway, (laughs) I digress. Um, It's up to the clubs to decide now, will we take legal action? The first thing would be, what are you going to take legal action against? Because you need to wait until they call the season in the top flight. If they do it like that, then... Hearts would have a case. What would the Rangers' case be? That's for them to decide. But so far, the SPFL has been able to control it because they are a private member's institution and they have their their laws, their rules and their regulations. But one thing that's been certain so far is that everyone's got a side now. This isn't a, I'm not sure. You're either for them or you're against them. You're in the Tom English camp or you're in the other camp. You're in the Celtic camp or the Rangers camp. There's no one sitting on the fence now. It's like Donald Trump taking over as president and after a few months in charge, in charge, you either, (laughs) there wasn't a kind of undecided. You were either for or against. And that's what's happened with the SPFL. Everyone's got an opinion on it. They're either for it or against it. The only thing that would mean the SPFL wouldn't, uh, have control over would be legal action. The big question for you and for Joel and for everyone else is what would that legal action, uh, legal action be? No, I think you make a good point as well that it isn't just Rangers. And I think the problem with a lot of this is the fact that it is being, I guess, sucked into this. I mean, some of the papers had it as like SBFL this amount and Rangers this amount um, in terms of the votes. And apart from anything, like you say, I mean, really, Rangers let's let's be honest i mean it was it was very unlikely they were going to claw back that title and apart from anything i think you made the point recently mark in one of our recent shows that um is it that big a deal for them if celtic always have this asterisk next to their league win this season given that they were most likely going to get to that league win anyway but the yeah and then the next thing is hearts where obviously we're getting I guess the big thing here is clubs shouldn't be punished because of what's going on, which is out of their control, which is an unfair situation. I mean, it's unfair for everyone, of course. But then people get completely drawn into making it a completely hearts thing, a hearts and rangers thing, but they're forgetting about Park Thistle and Stranraer, Brora, um, Kelty, etc. as well. These clubs who are also losing out. And, I mean, Park Thistle are, the, are still the, the big one for me here is Park Thistle, where they were... You know, a point adrift and had a game in hand, which is crazy um, to get relegated in those circumstances. And I don't know, Mark, have you? I haven't really followed much of, of any English football updates. Do you know what their approach is going to be? Because I know it's Aston Villa in a very similar position to that, where they are, I think, a point a point away from safety and they have a game in hand. Yeah, Premier League is, is likely to continue from from what I've heard. But we were doing a piece on ESPN FC with Mark Ogden, and Mark covers the kind of northwest the the Liverpools, the Man Cities, the Man United. Um, he also covers the, the lesser sides. And he, he was saying he's got pals that, that are involved in the ownership of Rochdale. And they've made a suggestion that they just get mothballed for 12 months until the start of season 
21, 22. Um, so then they can, he said the, the owners was, was basically saying this, this would be their preference right now because they're not going to finish this season. Who knows when next season is going to start? And then at least that would give the players a chance to find some work because they've still got players that don't earn that much. But when you guys were talking at the start of the show and, and this conversation I had with Mark Ogden on ESPN FC, fresh in the mind, about mothballing for a year. I mean, you're speaking about Partick and we're, we're talking about Stranraer and, and other clubs as well. It was interesting listening to a couple of the lower league chairmen's, uh, chairmen sorry, on, on BBC Sports Sound and they were saying, well, most of our players are one-year contracts anyway, so it's not going to be that bad for us. I, I suppose it's like the middle-sized teams that could be an issue, but when I heard the Rochdale story about just, just let it go for a year and, and, and mothball it, that's when it kind of, it, it has hit home, but that's when it really goes, whoa, there are 92 clubs down south, or 91 after Berry went to the wall. Um, how many more are we going to lose because of that? And if we're losing clubs down there, how many clubs are we going to lose in Scotland? These these kind of middle-sized clubs that are liable for 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 wages or, or for whatever um, when there's when there's no money uh, to be played. So I think the Premier League will be all right. It's the it's the leagues below in England and in in Scotland. I'd worry about the teams there. I sorry to just jump in. Interesting you say that, Mark, because I think it was Forfer, the uh, Forfer Athletic chairman or one of their uh, one of their board members. I'm sure it was uh, Forfer came out and said that actually uh, playing behind closed doors for the next season would be more detrimental than yeah, not playing time. at all. Because Forfar, they've only got I think I think that was five. They've only got five players contracted to next season, which they could they could pay those players for the season without playing. And they've got enough cover to do that. But playing without fans at the ground, that's going to be more detrimental because they're not getting that revenue in because they have to go and purchase a new team. Yeah, and I mean that's a that's a very good point as well because without sitting and doing any sums, I mean we know that even top flight in Scotland, unlike the likes of the English Premier League or some of the other big leagues in in Europe, the majority of them, the most of their income comes from match day revenue, comes from people coming through the gates and paying. Even with forty three percent, Laurie, isn't yeah, it? In Scotland, so it's one of the highest in Europe. How many how many football clubs, even in the top flight of Scotland, could survive for? A long period with being behind closed doors. I don't think many could. No, not not at all. The other thing to to try and to try and bring it back to Hearts, just because it's relevant and it's pertinent to to this point. And Bunch got a hell of a time from from all the experts outside the club, uh, fans of others and and keyboard warriors and journalists who are not Hearts fans or whatever for. Um, suggesting that there's a wage reduction. A lot of the other teams have gone for deferrals, or some of them have gone for deferrals. You're still going to have to pay them back. And this is the thing, the longer this goes on, the more the deferrals are going to build up, and how much is this going to cost them when they come back? And who's to say that money will be available to pay for the wage deferrals when they come back? It'll have to be like a higher purchase agreement. Okay, well, like an old case catalogue will give you 50 pence over the next 24 months and to make up the the money that, that we were due you. So there's a, a lot of water still under the bridge with regards to, to the payments of wage deferrals, whereas at least Hearts and the players have agreed to accept that that is the case. And all of this, I mean, you know, we can't really draw a line under it because, you know, we know it's going to rumble on for a fair bit longer. We don't know what's going to happen. As you say, legal action can't even really proceed until the top flight is actually called, which it hasn't been yet. Um, I, I guess 
what it makes me feel, and I, I don't necessarily like feeling this way, is just a complete siege mentality, total tribalism. You know, if, if we if we end up in the championship, you know, we're not going to, you know, there's only breakaway leagues or any nonsense like that. We, you know, we will continue on. That's what's going to happen. But it does give me a feeling like I'm going to be more of a, you know, fuck everyone else. It's not about Scottish football anymore. It's about hearts. Is that just me? No, nah, there'll always be, um, I would like to think, a hearts and other clubs and this, the, a few of my friends love trips to Inverness. Can't wait to go to Arbroath, back to Wraith Rovers, little trips like that. So one, one Scott not, Gardner ringing out from the away end. Well, that'll not be at Dens Park because that's an interesting. <laughs> how, how many Hearts fans have got to Dens Park um, when they face Dundee? Look at it. It is what it is. We were shite. This is the bottom line. We were absolutely shite. You two were talking about the St Mirren game, and looking back now, if they'd known, so here's the thing. If the players had known at the time what was at stake, and this was going to be the last game, imagine they'd come out before the game, the Premier League and sort of Scottish Premier, whatever the hell they're called, and said, this is the last game, this is the last one we're going to play, and then that's it. So you know what's at stake. I honestly, the way we were going, I don't think that would have made a shit bit of difference. It wouldn't have been one Nelson, knew- Martin. It would have been about three. <laughs> But you know, you knew what was at stake beforehand. This was an opportunity to potentially get off the bottom of the table, and they still put in an insipid performance. So, I mean, when I saw the comments and quotes from Loic Demore this week saying, "Oh, I'm not sure I want to play in the chip," fuck off, son. Just piss <laughs> off and take your four-year deal or or whatever, and and just leave. We're not interested in that. We want people that are going to buy into this. Stevie Naismith said, "Look, I'm here. Wherever we play, whichever league we play next season." What does it mean for Stendhal? This is something that hasn't really been addressed too much. Um, this clause, Joel, maybe you know more. Lonnie, maybe maybe you know more as well. Is it a two-sided clause? Does it need agreement from both? What's the deal with, with Stendhal's clause if Hearts go down? Either Hearts or Stendhal can... If they go down, either Hearts or Stendhal can cancel it. So I think with it's... A, with uh, a pair or not? I'm guess I, I don't know any financial details, but I'm guessing it will be there'll be some sort of pair involved. But I, I'm guessing it won't be as substantial as if he's Hearts had sacked them when they're in the Premiership. So what do you do? What do you do, right? Okay, if there is a pair required, which I mean he's not going to sign the deal that he did and not get a pair if if they go down or or leave or whatever, because he would have been entitled to some sort of bonus if for performance related. So what do you do if you've got a choice of three? Okay, um, Stendhal. Keep Tommy Wright free or Robbo fifty grand plus the payoff for Stendhal. A, B, or C. I think can I go secret option D and yeah. use and uh, release Craig Levine from his contract. Use the money uh, earned from all the season ticket sales that that will generate, and then you get uh, Robbo back. Okay, Laurie. I wouldn't go. To- <laughs> I would. I wouldn't go, Tommy. Right. Um, I just. I don't think he'd be the right man for what what we would need. Um, I, I would. I would probably go with 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 Joel and uh, and use that to, and use that method to get Robbo back. Given his, especially in the championship, you know, um, whether Robbo would be the man to take Hearts to the next level. In fact, that next, you know, the next level, mm-hmm. as in the one that we're about five levels behind right now. Um, <laughs> if, if, if we wanted to become, you know, I guess regulars in the top three or four, that kind of area, whether he would be 
the right man at that point. I don't know, but that's kind of what he was tasked with initially. But from a championship point of view, from getting, I guess, the heart and soul back into the team, to getting out of that division, to re-establishing in the top flight, getting a bit of fight in the team, I think he'd be, I think he'd be the right man for that. So yeah, I'd go Look, with that. Do, do you? Do you think the opinion of some, because we've had the conversation on a few podcasts when Levine was leaving or before he was even leaving, who's next? And and Rob Robbo's divided opinion. I mean, I'd, I'd be happy to, to have him back. Others are saying we can do better than that. Well, wait a minute. If we're going to be a championship club, you've got someone that, that knows the league. Um, it, on the other hand, playing devil's advocate, is there a concern? It's like an Ali McCoy's type appointment um, whereby it's maybe not the best manager. Um, that that we could get, but you... Robo's actually had some sort of success as a manager, and that—that's the thing. That—that's what I would say with regards to Robo. I know he might not be everyone's cup of tea, but he is—he's he's far more experienced than he was when he first took charge of Hearts, and he's mm-hmm. done a—he's done a lot more managing uh, in that time since then. Um, and again, I'm not saying it'd be a short-term uh, plan, but it—it it would be an option. He, he's told me personally, it's going to be 50k. Um, to to get him from Inverness now, whether that is for, like a, a Pochettino, <laughs> no, no, let's <laughs> no, not go there. But, no, that's that's the, that's how much it would be a release clause to get him from Inverness. Whether or not it would be a kind of Pochettino esque affair, and that that goes away after a certain time, like if Newcastle, uh, if they get new ownership, wanted to appoint Pochettino, they'd still have to pay either him or Spurs a, a shed load of money because it's considered the same season. So is it a clause that Robbo has with Inverness? that expires after a certain period of time or as long as he's under contract then he would cost 50 grand and look there are other options available of, of course they are um but what if here's one what if Stendhal says no i want to stay what do hearts say <laughs> i think that's, that's a very tricky one because Stendhal, i think was the right man at the wrong time see if he yeah. came in the summer Perfect. I think giving him a pre-season to work with players, to work with his squad is ideal. He came in at the wrong time and he was always, always up against it. I like him. I I really want him to do well. Yes, there's rightly should be questions asked about certain decisions he's made, uh, certain things he's he's done. But I've always wanted him to do really well. But you just, over the last couple of months, it, that feeling's just seeped in where you just it just gnaws at you that this isn't right, it's just not going to work and going back to what you said about, about Robbo, I was very much in the can, uh, camp of no, I would I, I don't want Robertson to uh, be our manager, but having thought about a bit more, having listened to him I think he did uh, he did an interview with Mark Benstead and the way he talked about his career, the, the way he's developed, how he left Hearts to begin with what his view on his first uh, his first spell at Hearts that I think he like you said he's a much more mature manager much more experienced manager and just a, a, a simply a better manager I think uh, if I think Hearts if we're in the championship the sensible move I think would be to um, start with a new manager someone like Robbo because th- th- let's let's face it the the atmosphere is not going to be great in the championship next next season. Obviously, depends what happens with Budge and Levine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But one thing's for sure: there's like a, a, an instant win is having John Robertson in the dugout, John Robertson fighting for Hearts, John Robertson putting that team on the pitch. Because that that way, when you have John Robertson in the dugout, not one player is going to get any leeway at all from the fans. That they know that Robbo's got the best 
intentions were hearts and if it's not happening it's the players which uh, for large parts of the last couple of years have escaped a lot of blame it's not over till the fat manager makes a late substitution <laughs> uh, that was well avoided about if Stendhal said he wanted to stay what would happen so you kind of went you, you went down the rubble I think that was that was a nice politician's answer Dunsire what, what you got if Stendhal says I want to stay but Hearts have got the final say what, what do you think they do what do I think Hearts will do I have a feeling they would keep him if he wanted to stay. Um, but that's not based on any inside knowledge, just a random gut feeling. I'm, I'm not giving you a Neil Doncaster kind of answer that Joel gave you. Um. <laughs> there's, 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 one, there's one reason I can see that happening, is that going back to an interview Stendhal did, I think it was last month for March, uh, who knows what uh, time is now nowadays, that <laughs> he, he talked about the, the the next uh, kind of his, his process is to integrate more youngsters. He talked about Harry Cochran. Obviously, Lewis Moore and New Henderson got a lot of uh, game time under him, as did Andy Irving. That when we go down to the championship, it might be a case of it's going to be a, a very young squad that, like Connor uh, um, Connor Smith, might get promoted. You Chris were going Hamilton. to say Connor Salmon? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Just even thinking of him uh, gives me the uh, makes me shudder. Uh, Chris Hamilton, who did really well with Cowden Beef. So these these players who have um, have got a good reputation, Academy again, Anthony McDonald. That if that's the route Hearts want to go down, and Stendhal's keen to stay. That's also a route that Stendhal wants to do. I can I can kind of see that that happening in a rebuild on 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 that side. Okay, let's move on. Uh, we're going to try and make things a bit more lighthearted, although it's it, it's usually quite lighthearted on here, but anything to do with the SPFL usually gets um, the blood boiling a little bit. And uh, we're going to go on to your favourite Hearts people. So this is the homework that Mark put out there last week. So this is your favourite Hearts people, so people you associate with Hearts, but not players or former players and not managers or former managers. So quite... An interesting one, and we got a lot of replies on this, so I don't think I'll be able to get through them all. But um, I'm going to get through some of them and get Make some... it a two-hour episode. We've got a guest for the first time in <laughs> 81 whatever months, weeks, episodes. We've, none of us have anything to do until like October. If this is a three-hour episode, I don't give a toss. I want everyone to get a mention here that people have got in touch with for the unsung heroes of Heart of Midlothian Football Club, Dunsire. Okay, well, we probably won't do that, but I'll maybe extend a little. Um, <laughs> we could always split it in two, a two-part special. Uh, Pie says, Les Porteous, close friend of my dad's for years since they were young. Les would often send us some match tickets for games at Aberdeen, including one game with seats in the director's box, and for me to meet the first team afterwards, Sandy Clark manager, Ira. Always good to know someone who can get you tickets. Uh Feg Bizet says, My former GP and long-time Hearts Club doctor, the late Dr Melvin, a lovely man who was uh, definitely more keen to talk about Hearts than he was any of my minor health issues. <laughs> <laughs> but also Brian Jackson, his role in saving the club should not be underestimated or forgotten. And Harry Temple also says, Brian Jackson for helping to save the club. And he's an interesting one, Brian Jackson, because... It, <laughs> He's not the type of person you would think 
would get drawn to a football club or fans would then feel so passionate about. But it, it, it turned out that way, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the issue with, with Hearts around that time is maybe it was just me. I don't know about other uh, supporters. I always thought, I'll be fine. It's not like, you know, like your mum and dad, you, you'll be fine. You always thought, no, I, there's not going to be a world without Hearts. But when Brian Jackson sat down after the event and kind of told everything that happened, they came bloody close to there not being a heart of Midlothian. So Brian Jackson is definitely one that uh, that deserves a place in the annals of of Heart of Midlothian Football Club Unsung Heroes version 3.4. <laughs> yeah, I have to reiterate that because Brian Jack, when Hearts go through the administration, it was one of those we think I ah, always pull through. It won't, won't be any won't, won't be any problem. But when you do read like 12 hour stuff where like Hearts are surviving by the skin of their teeth, I think it. The people behind the scenes at that time have done, including Ann Budge, have done an absolutely enormous job. Stevie Morris says, Killy from Livy Hearts. His rants on the supporters bus after every game this season have included every swear word possible. He'll say, <laughs> he'll say, I'm Beelin, Levine, that twat and goals, the other one, Whiten, etc. Loves the hearts, though. Um, Billy Steedman says, I like Alan Ruff. Well, more so his Derby record of... Uh, zero seventy. How would you say that in in the states? Because I know you say seventeen, seventeen and zero. Do you say o o to seventeen or o and seventeen would be no wins and seventeen defeats? Aye, well that's what I think he's suggesting, but that can't be right. He must have had a draw in there, surely. Was that rough Starby record really? Oh, I don't know. Billy says it, but surely it must have been some draws in there. But maybe it's zero wins. But I mean, I don't know. It just. I mean, they had. Between, between 89 and 94 was the 22 in a row, and Ruff, I mean, Leighton was in goal at the early 90s, uh, Ruff was made, but, I mean, you got to remember as well, around the, the kind of, um, just early to mid 80s for a spell, Hearts had, they were decent, they were, I think, in the teens as far as unbeaten games is concerned, so... I'd be interested to find out what Ruff's record was, he might not have had any wins, but did he did he get many draws? I am currently looking up on Wikipedia. No, because uh, Ruff is Ruff was between eighty two and eighty eight, and there was definitely seventeen in a row around there. Yep. So yep. There, the... there was every chance because Hibston certainly didn't win the league between nineteen between nineteen seventy nine and nineteen until October eighty seven. Hibston win in uh, against Hearts in the league. So. Every chance that that could actually be uh, feasible. By the way, I'll give you a quick Alan Ruff story. It isn't connected with Hearts, and um, it, it was told to me uh, that in the Wales game in 1985, the one that sadly Jockstein died afterwards, um, Jim Layton came in at half time complaining he couldn't see, and he said to uh, Alex Ferguson um, via Jockstein that that he'd lost a contact lens. Fergie was his manager at Aberdeen, didn't even know that he wore contact lenses. So Fergie went nuts at him, and Ruffy came back in, goofball that he was from, from warming up at halftime, because there's no point in a reserve goalie being in at halftime. And and he, he basically came in um, with a couple of minutes to go and was told, get your arse out there, you're, you're going to be in goal for the second half. And Ferguson, according to Stevie Nicol, went absolutely nuts at halftime. But According to Stevie Nicol, he also said that Jockstein died at halftime. So maybe you can take that story with a pinch of salt because, of course, it wasn't until after the game um, that Jockstein died. And Mr Nicol's memory, after a few Budweiser's, was slightly hazy. 
Tepe Moylan. <laughs> remember, Tepe Moylanin lost his... Those fucking but, tights. No, remember, he lost the contact lens once. Had to go off, didn't he? Did I imagine Ooh, that? That's a good one. Was that a dream? I'm sure I remember Tepe. Why, if, you're, if you're dreaming about Tepe Moylanin and contact lenses, then... A, stop eating cheese before breakfast, uh, before bedtime, and and B, what what's going on inside that bedroom of yours? <laughs> to be fair, if Tepe Moylanin had lost his contact lenses for his entire Hearts career, that probably would have made a lot of sense. He's still <laughs> trying to get down to that Gary O'Connor shot near post. Oh God, ten oh, men, no, ten men as well. They had. Um, <laughs> Is that the one that Dougal was the ref and he sent off Brebner and yep. they appealed against it and he got it overturned. Oh, I can't remember it getting overturned, but you might be right. Not sure, but um, I just remember that's the derby that didn't uh, someone run on the pitch and have a go at the ref. Yes, they, they did. They did. And by the way, the game was against Rangers that he uh, lost a contact lens, Tepe Moylanen. Um, apart from Easter Road, his only contribution of note was getting a game against Rangers held up while he went off to replace a contact lens, says Shaggy2 on kickback. Yes. There you go. There we go. Well, well done, Mr. Uh, Mr. Dunsett. That's a game you would have commentated on as well. Oh, I know. Christ, I don't know what I did yesterday. Don't <laughs> ask me what I commentated on. Jesus, come on, son. <laughs> Robert Binning says, uh, My son Campbell lives in Berlin, knows just about everything Jambo, never misses an episode of Scarves like that. Uh, he, here he is last Sunday about to cycle around the... Does that mean we're hipster? Well, I don't know. We don't go that far. Um oh. If we wore Jurassic Park t-shirts, maybe that's probably... <laughs> yes. I've not got one on. No? Have you got anything on? Oh, yes, I do. No, come on now. This isn't the Terrace <laughs> podcast. I've actually got a Hearts training top on. Oh, excellent. I've got I've got the Hearts third kit on, which is absolutely glorious. What? Really? We're telling people what we're wearing and no one can see us and it's a podcast. <laughs> okay. Can, can, I, can I jump in with mine? Yes, well, my feel free. One. Yes, go for, go for it. This, this is I keep seeing what people were saying on Twitter. I didn't see this person mentioned, and this was someone I remember fondly from going uh, seeing when uh, my dad took me. And honestly, I can remember him more than some players that played for Hearts. I was just completely transfixed by him. It was uh, going by Jambo's kickback. His name Karate Keith or Gorgi Dancer. Ah, uh, yeah, no, he he did. He got um. Fraser Elgin, <laughs> Fraser Elgin actually responded. Is the guy with the moustache? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. There's one of one of the most iconic pictures uh, of all time for Hearts, in my view, is that he's standing almost addressing the Gorgie Road, like uh, the Gorgie Road end, like Tommy Smith at the '68 uh, Olympics with his yeah. with his fist uh, pointed into the air. He. Uh, I always just remember him from his, like, he used to do stretching as if he was preparing yeah. to go on. <laughs> he would do some funny hand single, uh, signals. And one of my most memorable <laughs> moments was when I was in the tiny arms and he, I was sitting down and he was using my chair uh, to balance him while he was stretching. And I'm just, <laughs> it was absolutely glorious. Yeah, Fraser Elgin just posted that exact picture you're talking about saying, this guy closed thread. And someone else did mention Karate <laughs> Keith. Um, I can't remember who Karate someone Keith. but yeah, I used to sit behind him uh, he was in section G for a while and when I had a season ticket there I was like maybe fifth row up and I'm sure he was like third or I don't know if he was the exact row he was either the row in front or two rows in front for a while and uh, he was endlessly entertaining just just the, the movements and the the gestures yeah 
indeed. No, he he was mentioned, and he's a, a famous fan. Is he is he related to the Wildstone Raider, Gordon Hill? Uh, I hope oh, not. Come on now. No, I'm just saying about that type of <laughs> character. The, the guy who doesn't give a damn about how he looks, what he does, he's just all in on it. Albeit the Wildstone Raider, who uh, was a bit of a, a, a gobshite. An asshole. Came out with some... Well, yeah, I don't think Cry yeah. was as aggressive. Good, good. I'm, I'm glad. Hey, Karate Keith, I've never heard his name. I'd seen him loads of times as well. Someone's mentioned Jambo Jesus, and we'll get to that in a minute, because that was another one I want to... Uh, I want to to talk about go on I'll, then. I'll fire straight to that let me just find it because it was posted to, uh, by someone I know um, if I can oh god here we go uh, Craig Morris uh, the guy that looks like Jesus don't know don't know um, who he is but about 9 out of 10 times I spot him a game we usually win or uh, or we won hashtag Jambo Jesus um, that's posted by Craig Morris who's Maury um, and just to quickly mention this is the Mori who used to have a certain flag in section N. I don't know if you remember this flag with the skull and crossbones on it for no reason really at all. Did he uh, did he sell it to, to Norwich City? Oh, we're not going to get onto this again. Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> You're Julian Brelli, le juge, and you didn't give the punters that paid for the flag their money back when you sold it. It wasn't even a Bosman. Um, it was a sale between Hearts and Norwich, a flag that you... Pocketed all the cash and the proceeds, scurrilous. <laughs> We're not opening this can of worms again. Anyway, Jambo Jesus, you want to talk about it? Yes. No, I just, I just, he was a character because back in the day before we did the commentaries, uh, and you two would have been the same. Um, we were on the terraces, we were home and away, and, and there were so many characters. I mentioned um, Ian Hunter last week with a moustache from Pennycook, got a nice note from, from his son, Neil. And um, if you have to hand a picture on your wall, like some Hearts fans do. I've got it, but it's not on my wall, of when Wayne Foster scored and climbed the fence and then looks back. It's a glorious picture. He's got the number 12 on the back. Ian Hunter's in that photo, um, and Neil is a youngster. So those were two. Wattie Jackson was another one that I wanted to mention. But but guys like Jambo Jesus, I wish we knew his real name out of respect um, for him. And, and Karate Keith, can they not just be... Jesus and Keith, that they have to be Jambo Jesus and, and Karate Keith. It's like you two will be aware of this because you've been in the press box at Ibrox that kind of overhangs the, the second tier in the main stand over the enclosure. Hearts fans that go to Ibrox won't really know unless they've seen him on TV. There's a guy right down below. It looks like Santa, the Ranger Santa, um, the beard. He sits in the first row right at the pitch level towards the right-hand side of the, the press box. I think... Every club must have a character like that. Some uh, are a bit more pronounced by the way they, they look. Our Jesus, their Santa, um, and, and others. Just th Those are the guys and the girls that, that kind of make going to the football when you're bottom of the table, you're playing shite, you've got a three-hour trip back. Those are the ones that put a smile on your face. That's why I wanted to do this homework. Yeah, definitely. And even I used used to go to Cowd, uh, to watch Cowdenmeath a lot because uh, one of my best mates is uh, a Cowden fan. And even then, you, you talk about every club has them. So that's only a few hundred fans. And there was five, six, maybe more that you would... They would have a that him and his dad would have a nickname for, or you'd see it every game. There'd be a guy, there'd be a guy generally bring his dog to the game and he would just moan. It just seems like he'd go out, out, out of his Him or the side. dog? Uh, him, the dog, the dog ah. seemed very, very peaceful. I don't know if maybe the dog uh, 
was was deaf, so he didn't have to put up with oh, okay. constant <laughs> uh, moaning. That's like when I think I mentioned I went to the uh, Dunbar against Trinent match. Um, yes, that was a good one. A wee while back, and a guy who to see Ian Black and he wasn't playing. Oh, just for a day out, you just got drunk in Dunbar. Um, but <laughs> one of the uh, one of the Dunbar players got taken out by a Trinent player and a guy who was standing in front of me who I know actually. I think he said, um, oh, look, his tampons fell out. Basically, obviously suggested he's making the most of it. And the guy next to him goes, oh, watch your fucking mouth. That's my boy. I like, oh, shit. <laughs> you, you, you've, you've got to watch your mouth at these uh, at these smaller games. You don't know who's going to be standing next to you. Um, who we also got? Hearts Rant said, Scott Wilson, a man who will miss when he's not leading on the tannoy and in the hospitality lounges. And I guess <laughs> it's it's very true what... It would be very odd if, if if Scott Wilson. I mean, he doesn't do every game now, obviously, but um, he's just synonymous with going to Hearts games, isn't he? Even though I went to Hearts games before Scott Wilson was the announcer, I still just think of his voice. It's always his voice in my head. I think back to even the early games. Yeah, Sin- and uh, sorry, um, sorry, um, Craig no. Fowler. <laughs> no, on you go, Mark. On you go. No. Um, Mark McKenzie was before uh, Scott Wilson, and just as synonymous for those of us old farts that that have been going for a little bit longer, um, Scott replaced Mark McKenzie, and and um, I remember Mark many many years um, was in charge of the the kind of tannoy, and he did the the Bayern Munich and the Velez Mostar, the Austria Vienna, and and all those games, and and Slavia Prague, I think, until Scotty came on. What was it we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Laurie, that um, I'd said up about Scott Wilson when I got in touch with him was it about the derby that that was his first game um, as a stadium announcer the Vries 5-1 game was yeah yeah. that was his that was his first one I got a surprise a few days ago a few days ago and a few pals messaged me um, a link to the Scottish Sun Hearts stadium announcer Wilson brand St Mirren as snakes from Paisley <laughs> I saw that yeah, yeah I, I did I've seen that <laughs> clearly a slow news day clearly Says Mister, he hates it. He calls them Saint Lie Down after what happened in '86. Don't we all? No. Well, we if we hadn't fucked up at Dens Park. That's a that's a fourth f bomb today. I'm sorry. It was just my excitement <laughs> at actually being on with someone on TV in Scotland and and being like a, a star of TV in the in the homeland. I spent 15 years in that country in journalism trying to get on TV. And I think the closest I got was when I asked a question to George Best in Sport in Question in 1994. <laughs> Along comes Joel Sked, wanders up, does a couple of things with Fowler and his pals, and suddenly he is on TV. And he's on TV in a very, very funny and excellent show, which I'm not telling you how I get BBC Scotland over here, in case someone's listening, but I do watch it. And also, before we go, Laurie, um, make sure you remind me of an email which I have to read out. From oh. the 18th of August, 2010. And it's to a certain Joel Sked from oh. um, nearly 10 years ago. So remind me before we go. Joel doesn't know about this. Neither do you, Laurie. I've just found it. So I'll do that before we go. There's oh. a little uh, stay tuned, boys and girls. <laughs> I might dive out by then. <laughs> very, very interesting. I just realised I'm the only non-TV celebrity now on this show given oh it's celebrity sked is sked must go to games and go to pubs here i've seen i've seen world series adverts with with you on them 
Donaldson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, do you know what? I think the reason that you introduced that um, topic of conversation was for me to say, oh, but Laurie, we're not the ones who had people tweeting us around the funnel or scarves saying, oh, my God, Laurie Dunsire is so good. I don't know what I'd do without his beautiful voice commentating because I'm a student and I can't get to games or something like that. Well, that was my next tweet, but I'm not going to read it now. Uh, don't have to read it, because if you don't, I will. No, I'm not going to. Um, Brian Millen says, it has to be Craig Wilson from Big Hearts. Uh, him and his team go above and beyond for the local community. Um, and that's, that's a terrific shout. I mean, Craig Wilson, obviously a huge part of that, but Big Hearts as a whole as well do a lot of good. And uh, I think that's that's a very, very strong shout. He was He was next on my list. I spoke to spoke to Craig back in March uh, or start of April just to see how um, Big Hearts were adapting to the coronavirus pandemic and the the work the work they do the hours they put in just everything they do for the community it was just so, it just it was just so good to hear that they were uh, they were still getting still going strong like going still going strong in this uh, current climate but not just that the, the amount of support they were getting from cl- clubs volunteers uh, fans as well was just it's incredible. I had a tweet from Daniel McKeever. You weren't going to read it out, so I bloody well am. Genuinely, Laurie Dunsar. He's been such a huge part of so many massive hearts moments over the past few years when I was a student so couldn't afford tickets or season tickets and without him literally wouldn't be involved with the club like I am. And he has a great podcast. So there you go. Uh, allow yourself a little pat on the back. Daniel sent a nice message in. I think it's only fair that, that we read it out. You, you have a part to play on the match day. I have a part to play, and I actually like Stuart, Stuart Miller. I like I prefer this. Stuart Miller just said the the boy that commentated for Hearts TV hashtag Boise. That's me, Stuart Miller. <laughs> you, you're replying to me. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's uh, boy, Boise from Only Fools and Horses, or or Lee, oh, the Liam Boyce one. I was going to say Liam Boyce. Yes, I'm going to let let me fire through some more. What, we, what else? We yeah, got let's here? get some more of these. Um, let's see. Hearts ran as another one says the big chap who used to stand selling programs at the TSB. We sell programs. Could be heard from the other end of Gorgie Road. Believe he's sadly no longer with us. And um, there's some more on this. Joanne Fallon says it was Charlie Balneves passed a few mm-hmm. years ago. Gentle giant. And um, Planet Jamie also adds big Charlie that used to sell the programs. What a legend. Uh, we went home and he went home and away with him for years before he sadly passed. Never forget Tanadice. I like this. He shouted to Charlie Miller, "Who ate all the pies?" And he pointed and said, <laughs> "You rolling on the floor, <laughs> laughing." <laughs> um, the crowd were decked, um, and he ends with R.I.P. Sounds like a character. I didn't know Charlie, but he, he does sound like a character. I'm I'm really glad it's taken um it's, it has taken until May 2020 but I didn't know his name he he sold me my first ever program in 1985 yeah. and I used to walk by him every single game because we used to park I'm um, not far from from there f- to go to a home game and he was always my first stop that that's when you kind of knew it was it was match day you, you got dressed in the morning with the scarf on and the jersey or whatever but you kind of you knew you were in the vicinity when you got your program from Charlie so thank you to to those who got in touch with regards to Charlie and, and now I know his name so uh, I hope he's he's watching down <laughs> he's watching down from wherever he is right now um, will he have a smile on his face he'll, he'll be a bit confused by everything that's going on but um yeah uh, great great big lad catch 22 says friend of a friend pharaoh 
Farrell. I don't know what he means by that one, but uh, wrote the Hearts European song, Absolute Gentleman, and hilarious as well. He wrote the lyrics for a 2012 Cup final song to Tune Was American Pie, Never Took Off As Much As It Should. I don't... Ah, have you heard that? I don't think I've ever heard of that. Oh, likewise, Joe. uh, uh, So you mean the 2019 Scottish Cup final? No, 2012. 2012. 2012. No, that, okay, so I'm thinking last year. No, I I, I can't recall that. I remember the awful um, evening news, Go West, um, shite they did for the 2012. Awful. Absolutely. I've only what? seen that for the first time. Seen that for the first time a few months ago and I had to had to turn it off. It was just so embarrassing. <laughs> what about the B side of nineteen eighty six that had Marshalls, the Chunky Chicken Champions on it? Henry Smith, Walter K had that one. It was just, it wasn't really a song, but someone tried to mix it. I I still like was... the fact how how many how much did you get in royalties for the Jambos album <laughs> the last year, Mark? I, I got I got double royalties Ooh. right because I got track because the length of the history of hearts that I did overlapped so it had to be two tracks instead of one I got fourteen pence um, over the last five years in total they don't oh, pay to- out until oh, th- oh right I thought that was like a year but only fourteen pence over five years yeah but you keep getting the you keep getting the sales you get the 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 I mean it's cherry red records I get this my mum's like. Another one of those letters has come. I'm like, nah, don't even bother now. Um, because it's like, oh, you have two tracks and here's your total sales. Total sales over the last 12 months, zero. So s- someone somewhere or some people have bought over the last five years, maybe three or four copies. What was it called? The, it was Jam- Jambo something? Oh, I, it was... Uh, I don't, you can get... You Jambo can get Tribe. Spot. Jambo Tribe, wasn't it? Sorry. Jambo. Jumbo Tribe was that was one of the bands that that sang was or that did a song on it. Jumbo oh. Tribe, everything it was just 20, 20 heart songs or whatever. Oh. And you can um, get it I on, remember, you can, sorry, you can get it on Spotify. And this this really ra- this really annoys me. <clears throat> is that because it, it came on sh- the heart song Hector Nichols heart song came on shuffle today when I was uh, when I was out and about, and it really annoys me because it's just called the uh, the heart songs. But it's uh, Hearts is H E A R T apostrophe S. Oh, it really annoys me. Here it is. Here, my goodness, that's a great show. The Hearts songs, yeah, with the apostrophe after. Twenty Jambo classics. Well, eighteen and two like boring ass historical nonsense. It's got Stefan on the front. Well, it looks like is it Willie Bald and and Robbo. My goodness. It's not Andorran Rangers that are spelt Rangers, but with apostrophe S. Or did I? Is that another dream of mine? Just, just to, th- just to throw a tangent out there. <laughs> Colin Chisholm. Here we go. Have some of this. Featuring Colin Chisholm and the Gla- is it the Glasgow Heart Supporters Club or the Glasgow branch of the Heart Supporters Club? Yeah, that's uh, that's probably the second best version. Um, Unless you go more, more modern up to date, the Frightened Rabbit one's pretty cool. But mm-hmm. I'd, go, I'd go Hector Nickel, the Colin Chisholm one, just because it was played so often at games, and then the Frightened Rabbit one. That, that would be my top three in that order of the versions of the Hearts song. But you're right, it is on Spotify. And I will not be listening to tracks 19 and 20. I would recommend listening to tracks track two, which is Marching Through Gorgie. And <laughs> I think it's my favorite, my uh, Hearts chants. The Gorgie Choir. There is the um, 
the best one that that's my favourite is when it's just uh, reading out the players' names and uh, and and Fulton's Baggio and it goes through it. It's it's, yeah. it's so like so oh dear. Yes. Oh, here it is. Here the Gorgie Road by the Jabo Tribe. Oh, we have we have to now we have to going forward when we're all in quarantine and, and whatever we have to uh, we have to. It's only got you fucker. It's only got that's five. I'm sorry. It's, it's only got 18 tracks on on Spotify. <laughs> Alan Doyle has uploaded it. Whoever Alan Doyle is, thank you for uploading it. But what was wrong with tracks 19 and 20? Well, they weren't that's socks. Like point... No, but but they're part of the album, and that there was an article about what artists, which I am clearly having featured on this, what artists make from Spotify. They're doing me out of like point zero 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 three cents. By not including me on this, this is this is terrible. My my version on Spotify has it. It's got Mark Donaldson, Mark Donaldson. Oh wait a minute, is there another one? <gasps> oh, maybe that's the UK Spotify, the US Spotify. The the last two tracks have been omitted. Ah, that's terrible. Uh, Gav F says because um, I'm just cutting you off at this point. Um, <laughs> says it has to be. Keith Carlin, um, and he sent a video of Keith. Now, uh, I actually did a little bit on Keith in one of the match programmes recently. Keith um, is famous in some ways for falling through the gate at the front of the Gorgie stand onto the pitch during a game. Yeah, I remember that. Do you remember that? that. Was was it not a live TV game? Um, Live Hearts TV. Uh, I think it was at home to Hamilton. I think it was oh, home yeah. to Hamilton. I want to say. I don't think it was live on. Oh, even BT Sport are going to show that one. Imagine, yeah. imagine Chris Sutton gets a call. Hey, Chris, you've got your next few games coming up. Okay, uh, Rangers Aberdeen. Yeah, good. Hearts Hamilton. What? Hearts <laughs> Hamilton. So maybe it wasn't live on TV. No, but um, a funny moment. Uh, he, Simi says this is a good um, memory as well. Remember, Greg Wallace was rumored to be coming to the Scottish Cup final in 2012. Um, not sure why that popped into my head, but I was so into MasterChef back then that I was buzzing, buzzing with that news. Turned out it was fake news. I, I do remember when, because it was, it was all just to do with that silly emoji of him, wasn't it? The smug type of emoji that they used on Kickback. Joel, you can have this. I don't know who Greg Wallace is. The, the chef. Yes, yeah, so yes, I, I, uh, I, I do remember this. I do remember this fondly because my friend who I went to the 2012 Scottish Cup final with, he made up Greg Wallace masks off that famous uh, famous smiley or emoji, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so we wore Greg Wallace masks to the 2012 uh, Scottish Cup final. <laughs> so he did make it there in, in some respect. In some capacity, he was there. <laughs> Uh, here's here's a good one from a couple of people. Uh, Derek Ferguson says, China Thompson, madder than a box of frogs, but what a jambo, a real hearts legend. Um, Graham Fitzpatrick also, also says, good old China, my shopkeeper for donkey's years en route to work. His brother was even nuttier, once took a son off on the train to Ibrox. <laughs> what, a, wait, a what now? Uh, um, I, he says, son off, and I assume that that would have <laughs> shot them. Um, I know... <laughs> I know China quite well, actually. <laughs> he often, and um, he he is he is madder than a box of frogs, and he's uh, he's in his seventies now. And I remember I, we were away to Aberdeen, and he was. Uh, I think it was. I think we were drawing at the time, and it was p- pissing with rain, and he had his shirt off, twirling it about his head, um, in his seventies. And I heard when he used to have a shop, actually, that he would throw people out if they were Hibs fans. If he found out they were Hibs fans, he would just throw them out of his shop. <laughs> 
<laughs> which probably why his shop didn't end up being very successful because you know, a lot of Edinburgh's <laughs> Hibs fans. But um, well, he shot half of his uh, people. Let's just rewind a minute. What, what does he think he's going to need the son-off shotgun to go to Ibrox Well, this for? was his brother, the, <laughs> His brother took the shotgun. Well, apparently. Apparently, his, his brother. I, I, Doesn't matter who it was. Why would you want to take a, a son-off shotgun to Ibrox? What would be the purpose of that? To scare the little kid that says, can I watch your car, mister? And if he doesn't, he puts a banana up it. And it, I mean, really, a son-off shotgun to, to Ibrox Stadium. I mean, this this could be like heart's folklore, to be honest. I mean, I'm not quite sure how... doesn't matter. I mean, come on. And we live in a, in a society, in a world now, where it doesn't matter if it's truth or or if it's made up, if it's news or fake news. That's a good story. And it's it's it, you can picture that. You can pick... I mean, I don't imagine <laughs> we've driven through, but you're on the train or whatever, you, why would you need that? It's Scottish football. You're not in Afghanistan or, or some Turkish derby or whatever. Jesus Christ. Get, get Danny Dyer on the case. He could have been along with that. Um, <laughs> Martin Cunningham says, the set designer on the Eddie the Eagle movie, and he has a, a shot, a still from the movie with the hearts and hip shirts hanging with a five on the heart shirt and a one on the hip shirt. And I had heard about this, but I actually haven't seen Eddie the Eagle. It's good. Yes, it's very watchable. I mean, it's like, it's not a 10 out of 10. It's, it's a daft hour and a half. It's, it's fine. Well, also we've got Van, Van Deven says JP from the club shop, an unsung hero, an excellent servant mm-hmm. to the club. And always a jamble also adds, um, I was going to say that uh, as well. Every time I went to the club shop over the years, the same guys there, assisted by some helpers. Don't know his name, but probably the guy you mentioned. And another one who just seems to be, I guess, part of the furniture, so to speak, now, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've also got one, Louise Burnett. Does anybody know who Louise Burnett is? Mm, don't think so. No. Uh, this is, it, it kind of came to me, and I, I, I don't know if you've ever done stuff for, for Deadline. Um, is it Deadline Scotland or Deadline News Deadline or, or news, anything, yeah. Joe? Yes. Deadline News. Uh, it was Sean Milne that wrote this article in 2010. Um, Louise Burnett uh, was one of the construction workers on the, the new stand at Easter Road. Um, and obviously they, they did the pitch and dug the pitch up. So she left pictures of Hearts' 2006 Scottish Cup win beneath the new Easter Road terrace. Uh, she put jerseys and jumpers and copies of the evening news in there, all to do with Hearts victories over Hibs in 2010. And this is the best line. And she is refusing to tell anyone where underneath the 6,400-seater stand the strip actually is, leaving some Hibs fans livid. I do, rem- I do remember, I do remember that now, but I had no idea it was uh, the, the name of the person who did it and uh, the, what what was getting involved. But that does that does ring a bell. And it's a fantastic, petty, brilliant movie. <laughs> well done, Louise. I have to say, uh, I actually wrote about that in the programme this season. Um, <laughs> this season? And you can't remember season. it. Well, th- this season started five years ago, so I suppose you're allowed that. <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, that, is, uh, that is a good story. I'm going to, let's see, what we're, we've not got the, the most time in the world, and we're not going to do a two-hour special. This isn't going to be feature-length as much as Mark would like it. Let's have a quick look. So uh, Ewan Pringle says, Gordon Patterson loves hearts and has been at the club forever. 
um, been through the roller coaster of Romanov, uh, loves to join in with every goal celebration in the dugout. Would probably do the job for free. Proper hearts man, who has uh, one of his bit, one of the best seats in the house, and that that is a great shout because um, you sometimes see him on the bench, and I think the 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 Oosturk equaliser at Easter Road pops into mind. It, it's like just a fan being on the bench with the the dugout and getting to celebrate with the manager and the substitute sometimes with Gogs, isn't it? And he loves it. And he's the nicest guy in the world, isn't he? He is. I don't know him well, but the, the few times I've met him, he always comes across that way. And certainly, by all accounts, he's, he's, he's a cracking bloke. I've got two or three jerseys that he's kindly given me over the years. And in return, I said, Who, who's your favourite kind of player that's not associated with hearts? He goes... Oh, well, then I loved watching the 1978 World Cup. I just, I thought where well, he's flowing locks and his goals and all that, Mario Kempes was brilliant. Now, I'm lucky enough to work with Kempes at at, uh, at ESPN, so I got him a signed Argentina jersey, which uh, I don't know what he's done with it, if it's up in the house or, or whatever, because I believe his partner um, used to work at Hearts as well. I don't know if she, she still does or, or whatever, but he was over the moon when he got a signed Mario Kempes jersey. It was the least that anyone could have done because he's the nicest guy. And there's also a good story about when... Remember we had like squad numbers up to... Jesus, did we not have 91 or whatever? I know there weren't that many in it, but I think there were like 70-odd players at the football club. And you sh- it was like a Chinese laundry in there when he had to name put all the names on the back of the jerseys of all the Lithuanian trialists and everything like that, if they'd come over or got a deal. And he had all these jerseys to wash and, and do everything. Just such a night. And he never once complained. Super, super guy. And Larry also says, Gordon attended my wedding as Hearty Harry. He's a great guy. He was, yeah. And I love seeing him celebrate every goal with real passion. Uh, let's have a, a quick skim and see what else we got on here. David Speed was mentioned, Laurie, wasn't yes, he? Yes, uh, Michael Linton says, club historian David Speed, uh, for 40 years plus of voluntary work documenting the history of the club, contributing to the match programme and fielding inquiries from player descendants uh, and a contributor to many a fellow author, author um, as seen in book acknowledgement. Um, that is a very good shout because um, David does so much and he, again he's someone who's been around for so long and um, puts in so much I guess effort with I guess maybe you say little reward in, in many ways. Yeah he doesn't do it for the reward he just loves the club and speaking of someone that, that's kind of loves the club and it's been mentioned by a few people who've got in touch and is someone who I remember starting out in the club shop and, and she's now uh uh, an integral part of the football club. Claire Cowan mm-hmm. um, is is an absolute star. She's such a lovely girl, and she's she's as big a jambo as, as anyone else. And and again, she's another one that <laughs> if 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 she wasn't getting paid as much as she was getting paid, but asked still to do the same job, she wouldn't even bat an eyelid. She'd do it. Lovely, lovely person. I think she's the definition of the unsung hero at Tarts. Yeah, she is. Yes. John Rafferty says, "We Sinky, R.I.P." And there's another, uh, another uh, famous name and someone who had a. Do you remember after Sinky passed away? Um, I think Rudy had a T-shirt for him, didn't he? And he scored against Inverness, if I remember rightly. Took oh, off his top. Of course, yeah, good shout. Um, Sinky, who had. Do you remember he had these? Uh, just had so many badges, didn't he? You know, scarves covered in hearts badges. Like the stitched, the, yeah. the stitched ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chalky White, another one who's been mentioned by. Oh, I was going to skip that. Yeah, I was going to fuck yeah. <laughs> Chalky's been involved, and someone for um, not many people would would know this next one, but Mary was the tea lady in the old main stand who always looked after the press. 
um, back in the days of Mike Aitken at the Scotsman and and all these um, wonderful journalists. Um, that was when the press box was up the back of the main stand and a little. It was a it was a two two huts right up the back of the old main stand. One was for newspapers and one was for for radio. Um, and Mary, we used to get fed and watered at halftime. It was in this the smallest little room off the director's suite. Uh, but Mary, the tea lady, who I doubt is, is still with us, but another one to, to get mentioned. Um, I'm glad we did this uh, because we've given mentions to a lot of people who who don't normally. I mean, it's like Claire got a mention in Nutmeg magazine, which is a wonderful publication. But someone did a an article on her. That wasn't you, Joel, was it? No, that wasn't. No, that wasn't me. Okay. Who would who would yours be, Mark? Would you want to throw any out there that you? Yeah, I mentioned a couple. I mean, a lot of the guys and girls that were mentioned, I would say, like Claire Cowan, definitely, but Mary the Tea Lady. Um, just my parents for for. I mean, when my when my mum um used to take me to the games, my dad took me to my first game, but my mum used to take me to the games. There weren't that many kind of um women that went with kids. I mean, I'm sure there were a few that went to the terrace. But we were sitting in the family enclosure. It was me and my best pal, Barry Wood, from Australia. He's now in Australia now, and his mum and my mum. So that was pretty un- unusual that two mums took two lads to the football, but they both had mouths like sewer rats and uh, <laughs> kept swearing and had to be told off. But that those were in the days where you used to get free Panini stickers and albums and, and whatever. And we tried to go back with hats on, hats off, uh, various other disguises to try and get more, but it was... It was soon cottoned on. Just the little things like who is it, who's the guy? Is it Raymond that sells the scarves? Um, he's another guy. Just a part of my match day experience when I used to go to the football before I started to work. I'll, I'll always remember the the kind of program seller, the TSB, the the scarf seller. Just the little guy, people in the tea tea huts that you used to kind of because you'd see them every week. Um, a lot of different people, so I'm glad. Was it, was a scarf seller on? Is he on Gorgie Road before? Like, if you turned off yeah. from Dalry Road and before you know you where? Yeah, you know bridge. where the? Yes, exactly. Where the? It, it, it used to be an old. I don't know if it was a Bingo toilet hall? or a police box. It's it's where Ardmillan Terrace joins Gorgie Road, joint up towards the diggers at the corner. Yeah. That's yeah. I don't know if his name was Raymond or or whoever it is. I mean, last time I was at a Hearts game, I still saw him. He's still selling. Uh, I don't know if he does Hearts one week and heads home the next week. I'm not sure, so I don't know if he is a jambo. I don't even know if he goes to the games because he does all his he's selling before the matches. Um, I've seen him at Fort Park plenty of times. Okay, so maybe he is. Maybe he is. But he's yeah, another it's, person. It's called George Hobb. A message saying Raymond who sells the scarves on T-shirts outside the Tivoli. The Tivoli. Um, used to be uh, was it a picture house, wasn't it? Um, on our bus to Munich as well. Great character and travels from Ayrshire to all games. So there you oh. go. There you go. Um, this is this is an interesting one. It was again from Craig Morris. He said, um, "What a singer from the Exploited sits next to my dad in the wheat field. His song." Beat the Bastards should be playing at high volume in the dressing room before every derby. Maybe it is. He says, Laurie, I dare you to add it into the podcast. Or maybe Mark can play Fuck the USA to his neighbours. Whoa, stop there. What he bucking? There you um, go. He's the lead vocalist for the punk rock band The Exploited. He's 62 years old now and his genre is street punk, hardcore punk and crossover thrash. Jesus. Do I dare play Beat the Bastards at the end of this podcast? 
Uh, I've listened to it first because your alternative <laughs> to beat the bastards by Watty Buchan, who apparently the exploited had a feud with Green Day back in the day. Your alternative is track nine um, from the Jambo Classics, and it's by the Jambo Tribe, and it's simply Henry Smith. Henry so you can Smith. Take... Henry <laughs> Smith. I remember that's a classic. We could get the Ace of Hearts playing if Robo comes back as manager as well. Motorhead. Um, <laughs> so I was going to say, like you, I mean, I was going to add my dad because he's the one that got me into hearts and took me to games as a kid uh, growing up in the northeast. It was obviously not the easiest. I can remember him having to drive down uh, late on. It was Stuttgart was, what, a 9 p.m. kickoff midweek? don't know what time we would have got back Eight, up to. Was it 8.45 or 9? Because we weren't, yeah, the German TV paid us that much money to, to have it. So, um, you know. Always eternally grateful to him for that and those shared memories. And it, it's interesting, my good friend actually had his first child recently, a son, and he was messaging us shortly after. And in, and in, in his sleep-deprived stupor, he suggested he wouldn't even discourage him from supporting Aberdeen because they live up that way. And um, I have to say I was rather aggressive and forceful about telling him this is not acceptable. Um, yes, you can begrudgingly accept if your offspring don't pick your team, or worse, don't like football. Or, or even worse, if they don't like football and they like rugby. Um, but you do everything you can, surely, to encourage them to follow your side. Um, and it's, apart from anything I said, some of the best father-son bonding I've enjoyed is because of our shared love for hearts. And indeed, just today, he sent me an image of me and him looking very happy in the West Stand at Hampden Park um, on this day 14 years ago, which I forgot to love mention. That. So... Yeah, I, I told him that it's not acceptable to just to to. It's acceptable to accept if they pick someone else, but it's not acceptable to not mm. actively encourage them to support <laughs> your team. Uh, I sent a, a happy anniversary today to someone. Who did I send it to? The text message. Robbie Nielsen. Correct. 2006, the tackle. <laughs> the tackle. But, do you know, we talk about that, but we were winning 1-0 and we did concede anyway, so... Yeah, and <laughs> that was the interesting thing. I didn't know at which stage. I couldn't remember if it was 1-0 or 1-1, and it was when it appeared on the, the Official Hearts uh, Twitter account earlier. Um, and it was, I mean, he's, he's got a score, and Robbie comes from nowhere, and then Chesnowskis with that stupid challenge on John O'Neill, I think it was, mm-hmm. and 1-1. Um and the the other thing I'd forgotten about as well was Rudy Scatchel when he was brought down, but he stayed on his feet. If he goes down, that's a penalty all day long. I know Doogie McDonald was a horrible referee, but he's got to give a penalty there. And that was before Hartley got sent off. And I remember when Hartley got sent off, you're thinking, oh. Jesus, that's our penalty taker. It was oh, like no. the last. It was like the last thirty seconds. It or was, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. He lashed. He lashed out in extra time, and then the referee sent him off and. The five penalties were good, though, or four. How, how many? Well, we took four, four, didn't we? It was only four, because they, yeah. they missed. Took um, four. Presley, Nielsen, Pospisil, and... Who's the other one? Scatchel? Yeah, I think Scatchel took one. Um, Fisas, was, Fisas was number five. Was he really? Yeah. Good, good knowledge. That, that was far too, far too close for comfort, that game. It, it certainly was. Yeah, every time I hear, uh, is it... Battle Without Honour or Humanity, you know, the Kill Bill tune, I just get... Fl- that, was, that was from that game, wasn't it? I get, I get kind of 
PTSD, I get flashbacks to st- standing in the West End, chewing off my nails, waiting for the players to walk up. Because, yeah, they played that in the on a loop, didn't they, in the build-up to penalties, which just seemed to add to the tension. But, um... Sorry, a little post note, postscript, whatever, PS, whatever it is. Um, Stefan Adam was doing commentary that day with us and Gary Mackay on Hearts TV. And he, he thought, it's great now, and it's not going to go extra time and penalties. So he booked a flight back to France for like 7.30 or something like that. You should have <laughs> seen the look on his face when uh, Scatchel didn't go down and then it went to extra time and then it went to penalties. He was like a rat up a drain pipe at full time. He did not stay for for the, the celebrations or, or anything because he had to get back to Glasgow Airport for a flight back to back to France. Poor planning. Um, I'll end. I'll end this section uh, from Kieran McLaughlin in terms of your favourite people associated with Hearts. He just says every name in the Memorial Garden. Oh, perfect. Okay, so we are eating into time. We're in. We're in overtime, as as Mark. I'm added say. on. Um, I would not say that. Stop that. <laughs> Come on now. I'm not American. Well, I am, but I'm not, I don't speak like that. Or, come on. When you, when you comment on, on, on soccer now, do you talk about it's some good offense? or? No, I don't. I do. I do. <laughs> I, I'm not rising to this. Don't go fishing because I'm biting. <laughs> um, right. So, um, Joel, you wanted to. Put, I'm going to keep going because we'll, we'll do a feature length. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not as not as long as you wanted, but a little bit longer than normal. Um, now you wanted to suggest that you had a question, didn't you? Which was along the lines of um, the one moment where it all went wrong for Hearts in the past few years, and what would that moment be? Yes. So I, I was wary that this was going to be very negative for by uh, for my for my first appearance, and it could be two appearances, one my first time at last. But I seen it talked about on Twitter following the league reconstruction scrapping and there's people mentioning uh, certain events over the last four or five years of where pinpointing where they think it went wrong for hearts. So I'd be interested to hear yourself, Mark and fans in general where they think it has went wrong for hearts. That that, that one moment where they look back and think if things went differently there, where would we be now? Mainly because I'm going to be writing an article for it for me hopefully for the evening news, but I, um, I'll i throw one out. This this is one that maybe not many people will, will go for, but I'll go for the 23rd of February 2016. That was when Osman So was confirmed a Henan Jian player, but obviously I think the, the day... The actual moment was before that because he was in talks of uh, moving to China and he didn't play in the Edinburgh Derby Scottish Cup game, which finished 2-2 mm. at Tynecastle. And I look back to that as one potential moment where if he played, we'd probably had a better chance of actually winning that game. We win that game. Hibs don't win the Scottish Cup in 2016. And there is the feeling amongst Nielsen that he doesn't, um, he, that no bottle uh, kind of jibe that gets mm-hmm. aimed at him that doesn't exist anymore. So, yeah, Osman So's transfer to, to China, I think, was certainly one moment where you look back on and think if that didn't happen or if it happened a couple of weeks after the Hibs game, then it would have been ideal. And you just go back to Jimmy Sanderson. He said it would be football suicide if so left. And it certainly didn't help. 
Mm. No, it's, it's, it's not what I thought of, but no, it's some good points. I, I'd mentioned a few more recently, uh, more thinking of, I guess, maybe where it went wrong in the most recent regime, you know, certainly prior to Daniel Stendhal. One, when we're talking about a moment, which I think more than a game, a, a quick, Bobby's Lamal rashly and needlessly running off his line on the 25th of May last year in the cup final. At, at that point in the game, I, I'm not going to say when I was sitting there at Hampton, I was confident and comfortable, but I really didn't think we looked like conceding a goal in that game. We did not look troubled at all. I'll go back further, Laurie. I'll go back uh, slightly further uh, from that same game. Peter Haring, substitution. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a fair point as well. Um, I guess ultimately what I was thinking of is if, if that game hadn't turned, because I think after the penalty, you did feel then Celtic were pretty comfortable. Look, we've, we've got minute, we've got plenty of time in the game, plus we've got extra time. It really, your kind of confidence drained quite a bit. And it turned the game, and obviously we know what happened after it. If, if they hadn't got that penalty, I think we had a good chance of holding on. Not only would it have been great to obviously lift the cup and celebrate that, part of me wants to think, and I could be hugely wrong about this and probably wrong about it, that if Craig Levine had, had won that trophy, he's, he's he's got that monkey off the back, he's won a trophy. You're thinking he would have just said, that's it, I'm done, aren't you? He probably wouldn't have, but um, no, part of me would. wants to think he would have thought, right, I'm not going to get better than that. You know, I've, I've come back, we didn't know how long it was going to last, it's been a, a poor season on the whole, but I've ended with that first trophy, I've ended on a high. People will remember this. And I'd like to think he would have then felt it was a good time to step down and things would have been oh so different. Where do you think we would be right now if Hearts had won the cup and if Zlamal, because he started, then he stopped, then he continued. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was, the, the little kind of delay that cost him. Yeah. If we'd won that, oh, it's all ifs, buts and maybes, but... How different would life be at Tynecastle? Would we be bottom of the table? Would fans be annoyed? Would would they give more leeway because he just won the cup? It's interesting to to see. Everyone would have a different opinion on that. There's no right or wrong answer, and it's impossible to tell. But if we'd won the cup, I wonder where we we would have been because Stendhal wouldn't have been in. If if they'd if they'd had the same record this season that they had, and that cost Lavini's job. But if they'd won the cup. Would it have been different, or would they have just, would the goodwill have, have gone? That was just an, a brief extension to the goodwill. I think it would have been different because I think a huge amount of, and this is not an excuse, but I think the players have definitely felt the pressure, especially at Tynecastle, where, let's be honest, it can be an awful place to play when the fans are against you, and they have been, and I think deservedly so, because it's been shite and it's it's been hard for me at times in commentary not to just swear at them. Um, a couple of times I have, but I've just managed to, to cover the mic a little bit. So I think that would have changed. I think there would have definitely been more credit in the bank and I think the fans would have probably given them a little bit more time. It wouldn't, Maybe. It would have lasted forever, but you know, by the time we started the league season, there was already, it was already a little bit of discontent because we, we scraped through those yeah. group, the group stage of the of the cup. You know, we lost to East Fife on penalties. It wasn't, we weren't convincing already. You know, we almost lost to Stenhouse Muir. So things were already on edge. I think a cup win would have changed that a little bit, and it would have given yeah. us maybe a, a bit more time. I like the fact that our first ever guest after 
80 and a half shows comes in and, and has one of the best homework questions that, well, to be fair, the standard wasn't the highest that you or I <laughs> produced over the previous 80. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try and be smart. I'm just gonna go straight for the obvious one. For me, Sunday, 28th of October, 2018, mm-hmm. eight minutes on the clock. Yep. Danny Amanqua is told to warm up, uh, not warm up. He's told to get your, get your, get changed, get your jersey on, because Stephen Naismith is is hurt. And when yep. you look at before and after that, I mean, we'd lost once before that at Ibrox, which is understandable because like, most most teams are going to struggle there but we'd won all our league cup games and all our premier league games until we drew with livingston we'd then beaten motherwell in the league cup in st johnston lost to rangers but then beaten aberdeen that win at dundee was our first away win or sorry our last away win for for ages um this season and or uh, when, until we won this season but then after that defeat um one win that was against motherwell um uh, until the hamilton game on on boxing day so Naismith would be the obvious one yeah. for, for me. I think we, we were too heavily reliant on him and we didn't have a plan B if he was unavailable, which of course he was for a long spell after that. Yeah, I mean, I put three. I noted three down. Um, Zlamal mm-hmm. in the cup final, Livingston away, and Naismith in uh, Murrayfield. And you're quite right. And being at the game, um, it was nil-nil, obviously. It was early on. The atmosphere felt like we'd lost at that point. And to be honest... I think that seemed to be in Levine's head as well because we basically just played um, to to try and not lose a goal and try and force the game is, is into extra time and penalties, I think. We didn't really offer anything after that at all. Um, and I guess anything, any sentence that involves Danny Amanqua is going to be in mm-hmm. a... The question, <laughs> if, if the answer involves Danny Amanqua, the question is going to be to do with <laughs> where, did, where did X go wrong? Um <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good one uh, but we'll put it out there so uh, we'll see what kind of responses we get because we might get some interesting ones so what what was the one moment where it went wrong for hearts in the past few years so it could be wrong it could be in different ways obviously joel's looking back to a little bit further with the osman so um transfer that yeah what's our to... what's our time frame you, you said a few years and yeah, back so to... I, are we cut a cut off point yeah so i mean there was Obviously, there's there's some fans who think this malaise has just been this has been coming for two, three, even longer years. So I think probably midway through that first season back in the in the, in the Premiership, I think cause the the first season went so smoothly. Even the first the season back in the Premiership was fantastic up until that Scottish Cup game against Hibs. So I think maybe that could be the the cut off point. Twenty sixteen onwards. Yes, that's fair enough. So. You, you, uh, lot, you, all three of your um, answers, Laurie, very good ones. Like, I really enjoyed the the, the Naismith one was was really good. Slamal one was really good. Uh, so they're all quite quite near. Like for me, looking back, I remember being in Malta for the Burka Carry game, one of the yeah. worst games of all time. And me and my mates were speaking. They're just, they're just the atmosphere. There was just something about the atmosphere when we were there. It was just off, and we've kind of looked back at that ever since. And it just, it's just never been, been quite the same, quite the same again. So that, that, that was kind of, that was kind of one, as well. That's interesting, Joel, because we, we'd beaten um, that team from Talon, Infonet, Infonet yes. <laughs> in the, in the first round. Um, Vosko Boynikov was probably their best player, and they, they were. They weren't very good. Let, let's not let's not beat about the bush here. But they they'd done their scouting hearts, and and it came back that 
Yeah, they've got a tricky, I think you had a Russian winger or whatever. It might cause one or two problems. But they identified where they could nullify them. And they honestly thought when they went there, they'd be disappointed if they if they didn't get a, a, a win. But the Birkard Kara game, I remember sitting the night before, um, chatting away with, uh, I spoke to Levine and, and Robbie at the press conference, and he, he was kind of talking up that they were okay. They'd had a good result, I think, the year before or two years before against West Ham, and mm-hmm. it became pretty clear that they weren't going to go gung-ho, but they were confident they could take them back to Tynecastle, and even if they could get a one-all draw. Now, knowing what we know, I just wonder if if they were a little bit too... The, the, the scouting reports that had come back made them sound better than they were. They were a bang-average side, and, and that, that first half especially, Hearts could have been 2-0 up. I remember commentating on the game, and you were thinking... Ah, it's fine. We'll, we'll be all right. Uh, the second leg, though, I watched it. I think, did you not commentate on it, Laurie? It was on Hearts TV. Uh, yes, I got the home games. I believe you got the away games. I only got <laughs> the away games because you you were swanning off on some holiday or, or whatever. I, I filled in for the man in possession of the microphone. So don't you start with me, <laughs> ball bag. Um, and and this, the second leg against Birkirkara, holy shit. That is is that is shocking. The the announcement of Connor Salmon as man of the match will live with me for the rest of my life because <laughs> there was a mixture of there was the first time I've kind of heard a stadium collectively laugh. There was no kind, it wasn't really booing or sarcastic cheering. It was just almost a laugh as if you have got to be kidding me. And like coming out of that game, we were all mates. We were kind of stunned. They just just turned to each other like this is this is this is mental. I've never seen. I've never seen some fans go so irate at uh, at a full time whistle. There was, there was boys kicking the seat. There was loads. Uh, guys, it was in the old main stand round section end. They were steaming towards the dugout to uh, to shoot verbals. At, I think both Nielsen and the players. Yes, but Bier- yeah, happy times. <laughs> Birker Kara, who finished seventh in the Maltese Premier League last season, and I believe were fifth um, when football had stopped so yeah top top outfit in the 67th minute of play here at Tynecastle Hearts now Birkirkara won and it's the visitors on the attack Plut slips in great ball Herrera chance to make it two through the legs of Jack Hamilton it's Hearts now Birkirkara two that could spell the end of Hearts Europa League campaign very very early on it's Vito put lovely ball Slipped out to the right to Edward Herrera racing forward and the 29-year-old made no mistake just slipping it through the legs of Jack Hamilton. Okay, so yeah, give us a, a message, a tweet. So you can tweet us at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk with your suggestions for the one moment when it went wrong for Hearts in the past few years. Um, I did get an email. I'm just going to quickly read out um, after last week's show from Carol Ann who says... Hi guys, great podcast as always. I just wanted to get in touch after listening to it and give you my memories of the last game of that season against Rangers. That was after last show we were talking about the end of the 05-06 season when Hearts had that dead rubber at Ibrox. Um, she says, I was fo- I was in the fortunate position to have attended every game so far that season, home and away, but was not able to get a ticket for the game at Ibrox. I was a bit miffed, but my other half, a Rangers fan, got me a ticket in the home end beside him so I could attend. 
We were waiting outside before the turnstiles opened and two jamos came up to us to ask where the away end was. I wasn't wearing any colours, obviously, so they didn't know I was also a Hearts fan. I gave them directions and after they left, I ranted on about how fans got tickets despite never having been to Ibrox before and I couldn't get one. My other half then made a valid point about Vlad being quite clever as he had announced an away season ticket for the following season to ensure that any fans who bought one were guaranteed a ticket for away games. It was automatically sent out um, to you. Needless to say, I bought one. The uptake of it was quite good. It only lasted a couple of seasons. I had the last laugh, though, as when the game kicked off, my other half was going mental with the Hearts fans started reading their newspapers and there was even a conga at one point. Love the podcast. Thanks. Carol Ann. So, a couple of things quickly to throw to you after this one. Um, have either of you ever had to be in the opposite end at a Hearts game? Now, I don't mean being in the press area because all three of us have done that away game, so to speak. Have you ever had to be with the opposition fans at a Hearts game? Because I've not, apart from being in the press area. I don't recall. The, I think the, the closest was earlier this season uh, at the press um, in the press box at Hibs, where there may be footage of me sitting impassively as Sean Clear scores a penalty. Uh, yes, sitting passively like I do. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised I got out of that game, actually. Um, you, Mark? don't think so. No, no apart from press, press boxes, I can't. No? No, I don't think so. And the other thing, I totally forgot about that away season ticket. That was I never had one. Did, did either of you? Well, obviously, sorry, Mark, you were working still, weren't you? So you wouldn't have. Yeah. It seems like a, a crazy concept now, doesn't it? An away season ticket for Hearts. It's like a member of the Scotland Travel Club, isn't it? But it used to be, oh, you're a member of the Scotland Travel Club. Wow, you got all those tickets. Now it's like, <laughs> really? No. An away definitely... when, did that, when did it come into being? Must have been around the... Oh six, oh seven, see around around then yeah. when uh, obviously when Hearts were expecting to expect the challenge and there was a big following. But I remember looking at it because I used to go to most away games around that uh, around that time, and I just didn't think it was it was value for money. No, it it just it it was just mental when I when I when I read that just to think back. So th- thanks for the email, Caroline. Glad you got to the game and enjoyed it. And of course, it was a, a, a super enjoyable game despite Hearts losing. I, I I hadn't been aware there was a conga at one point, but um, this is probably one of the few times I'll accept that a conga was the the right decision. Um, I I think that just about brings us to the end. <laughs> email time. Oh dear. Oh, yes, of course. So this gives Mark's uh, moment. Go on, go for it. No, it's actually in praise of a young schoolboy who uh, is now on our podcast, but was trying to find a way to, to and Joel will be able to tell us his story. Um, apparently, my mum knows your mum. Is that right? Yes. So I, I remember meeting you with my mum when I was leaving high school, I think. I wanted to, the decision was made that I wanted to go to Napier to study journalism and be a, be a I was going to say sports journalist, but basically just write about football so I could watch football. And I remember meeting, meeting up with you and you gave me some some advice and I still have your uh, copy of Believe and it's signed by yourself and Gary Mackay. I think my mum got it for me for my birthday or Christmas. I hope the advice was good. What did I tell you? I can't remember. <laughs> clearly, you didn't listen. That's that's why you become successful. You didn't listen. Anyway, um, your mum sent my mum your uh, some articles that you'd written. One in particular about Preston Athletic. Do you remember that? 
No, anything that my mum does, I try to suppress it. So no, so this must be when I was working at the. This is August two, August two thousand and ten. Oh, how old would I have been then? Okay, I've, I was thinking it might be when I was working for the East Lothian Courier, but I don't think it you was. Didn't have, you were still at school, or you were just about to leave school. Anyway, oh. um, so your mum sent my mum three articles. So I read them and said, I thought his three articles were excellent, well constructed, and extremely informative for the readership. Who am I kidding? It would be impossible for anyone to guess whether or not the articles had been written by a seasoned journalist or a lad still at high school. The only thing I might suggest, and it's not a criticism, is a slight change of order of the Preston Athletic piece. The article in itself is decent and well-informed and ideal for a feature-type piece. However, the newsy line from it concerns the club's continuing ambitions to get into the Scottish Football League as it was back then, how far advanced they are with plans, and crucially, the visit of the SFA to inspect the facilities. It's a decent tale, although it's kind of lost because it's a throwaway couple of paragraphs near the end of the story. If it was to be written as a feature, it's ideal as it is, although I would have tried to have got the SFA line in a bit earlier. But over the piece, an excellent attempt. There you go. So destined for greatness from from a young age, Mister Skid. There'll be there'll be some people listening and uh, having read my stuff and just uh, laughing out loud as if going back to Connor Salmon being awarded Man of the Match. <laughs> You've done very well for yourself, young man. And uh, I have to say, um, I I have paid particular attention um, to to what you've done and. Um, I would have probably watched the terrace anyway, but I like the fact that you're on, and I like the fact there's a maroon persuasion to it, and uh, and I hope I hope you go more mainstream because it's a show that I think deserves a an even bigger audience. So so well done, and and hope you keep um, you keep going, and hopefully we can have you on again on another bumper edition of Scarves. Yes, definitely. That's uh, that means that means that means a lot to me, and yeah, I would, I would happily come back on and and talk hearts because that's what I like doing. Yeah, right done, sir. Let's stop this back. Patting and let's let's preview next week. Let's. I, was, I know the 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 back patting that I got early on, which you gave me stick for, was not even close to these levels. Um, <laughs> I was going to say he's good, but you're good as well. Jesus. Okay. Thank. No, that was excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much for for coming on, Joel. And um, next time when we try and get Craig Fowler, maybe he'll be available. Um, joking, of <laughs> course. Joking, of course. I didn't even ask him. Right, so, yeah, get in touch if you have any feedback. If you've managed to reach this point of the podcast, because we... we <laughs> You'll need a shave. This, Jesus, I was clean shaven when we started this. This is this is going to be, you know, Stefan Adam will be climbing the walls saying, why are we still here? I've got a flight booked and we're still talking. Um, <laughs> yes, get in touch at Around the Funnel on Twitter. Email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. We'll be back next week when we will talk about... Um, that one moment when it went wrong for Hearts in the past few years, your suggestions for that. Uh, we'll, we'll probably have something else to talk about as well. And now I've just got to figure out if we're going to go out on the Jambo Tribe or that song... Beat the Bastards. Beat the Bastards, which... T- I, I'd, go, I'd go Jambo Tribe. I, I'd, I'm sure we can play Wattie Bucking and the Exploited Beat the Bastards or the follow-up album in 2002, Fuck the System, number six. <laughs> Um, I, I, let's go Henry Smith or something from the Jambo tribe, given that we've given the 20 Jambos or 18 because they've omitted two on US Spotify. Um, I think we should give that some love because it might make me another um, three pence. Yes, fair enough. Okay, we'll play out with, with something from that. This is a Hearts podcast. Come on, every Jambo. 
on everyone. This story.